0: So something that's very important to understand about motivation is it very rarely precedes action. It very rarely comes before the action. Another way you could look at motivation is almost like motivation is momentum. And the only way you're ever gonna gather any momentum is actually through taking action. what is up radical health seekers today's episode is all about the topic of motivation and discipline we will define what each of those terms mean what they mean for you and ultimately why discipline is the thing that you want the most then we move into our caller section of the show where we have two very juicy questions one that's focused a lot on autoimmunity And healing. We talk a lot about dietary interventions as well as lifestyle habits and even environmental toxins like mold. And the second question is a lot focused on mobility and the issues that we face as modern people chronically in front of our screens in a flexed position and some ways to restore function through the thoracic spine and just build a body that is healthy and in alignment. So let's dive into the show. Hello friends and welcome back to the show. Today, we're discussing one of my favorite topics which is all about the differences between discipline and motivation. In previous episodes, we've covered a lot about mindset and how making change is difficult. And this is a really great extension of that because now to become the kind of person that you get to be is going to require that you become the disciplined person. Now, I think a lot of people confuse this for constantly being motivated. And I wanna highlight some differences between that because the truth is, Sometimes you're not going to be motivated and that's okay because you're a human. But I think when people look at highly, uh, people that are getting a lot done, they're, they're exercising all the time, they're healthy, they get so much done, they kind of have this belief that those people just must be constantly motivated. And actually, if you study a lot of these high performing types, you'll realize they're not always motivated. They are something else and that something else is discipline. So let's first just define these terms so we can separate them and then discuss how they show up in our lives, how to generate more of them, and ultimately how to become the disciplined person, which is kind of the key that unlocks your future self. So I would say that motivation is doing what you want to do when you want to do it, which is wonderful. If you have that, use it. It's like rocket fuel, it's lightning in a bottle. And if you can capture that, I think you should use it. And you'll remember times in your life where you were particularly motivated for whatever reason. Maybe you watched a a really empowering YouTube video and it just gave you that kick up the butt that you needed to go and get something done that you wanted to do. But this is where the distinction happens. What happens to you when you know you want to do something, but you don't wanna do it? And motivation is ghosting you, right? It's not a very reliable friend because when the going gets tough, and life is stressful, which it is for a lot of us, a lot of the time, you're not going to feel like doing it anymore. You're going to want to hit snooze. You're tired. You're overstressed. You're overworked. And that motivation is going to fall away. Now, if you believe that you need to be motivated to take action, then what happens when motivation goes to you? You probably don't show up. You probably don't do what you know you want to do to become who you want to be. So this is where discipline enters the fray. If motivation is doing what you want to do when you want to do it, discipline is doing what you need to do, even when you don't want to do it. And it's a big distinction, right? Discipline is being able to do the thing that you know your higher self does, the most evolved version of you does, the best version of you does, even when you don't want to do it. Because the truth is, a lot of the time, you're not going to want to do it. A lot of the time, you're going to have very valid excuses. You're going to be tired. You're going to want to choose the instant gratification or the mouth pleasure. And that's where the disciplined version of you needs to step into the frame, right? Because the, 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 the disciplined version of you is going to beat the most motivated version of you every single time, because motivation is a feeling. Right? If motivation is a feeling, it means it's fleeting. It comes and it goes, and that's just the natural consequence of being a human. But discipline is a character trait, a character trait we can work on and we can develop. We can kind of bake it into the cake of who we are, by going about taking action and gathering an undeniable stack of proof that we are the kind of person that we say we are through action, through reps, and allowing that action and those reps to kind of form ourselves into this newer disciplined version of ourselves. So if motivation is being at the mercy of how you feel, discipline is your ability to delay gratification a little bit. And I think that's really important Delaying gratification or your ability to delay gratification is gonna be directly proportional to your levels of success, right? If you can only delay gratification for a couple of hours, you're probably not going to be that successful. If you can delay gratification for a couple of days, you're gonna be more so, a couple of weeks, even more so. And you can see how that stretches out into time. If you're the kind of person that can delay gratification for weeks and months on end and take action, even when you don't want to do it, you're gonna have a lot more success because again, change is hard, you have to fight through this resistance and this lower self. And the only way you're really going to do that is through disciplined right action. And this is where it gets really interesting because I started by saying motivation is a feeling and it's not always going to be there. But the trick here is that by being the disciplined person and showing up and taking action even when you don't want to do it, you generate secondary motivation through action. So something that's very important to understand about motivation is it very rarely precedes action. It very rarely comes before the action. Another way you could look at motivation is almost like motivation is momentum. And the only way you're ever gonna gather any momentum is actually through taking action. And that's why motivation is unlikely to find you before the action. Again, a reminder that if you're waiting for motivation to take action, you're probably doing it in the reverse order. If you want to feel motivated, you want to take more action right? How are you going to take more action? By becoming the disciplined person, by, by thinking about what the most disciplined version of you does and doing that thing. Now you take action, you start to feel motivated because you did the thing. You get to give yourself that little pat on the back and you can now capture yourself in this upward spiral of motivation. Because guess what? When you start to become the disciplined person, you start to do the discipline act, you start to delay gratification a little bit and do the thing that you know your higher self needs to do even when you don't want to do it, you start to see results. And results are incredibly empowering. Results give you motivation. When you look at yourself in the mirror and you start to see changes in your body composition, when you start to feel changes in your energy and your mood and you, you get a more positive outlook on life, that is intrinsically motivating. And that now is wonderful because you've got this combination of gaining momentum, aka gaining motivation, whilst building it on the bedrock of discipline, which is really good because that means if the motivation does fall away, because maybe life throws you a curveball as it sometimes does, that it doesn't mean all your results are going to go with it because you built it on the foundation of discipline. And that's always going to be the thing you can fall back on. Discipline is a rock solid foundation to build from. And motivation is this thing that you stack on top of it through taking action. That's basically the rocket fuel that supercharges your change. So when we think of discipline, if you're in this online space or you've consumed a lot of content, you might be familiar with a guy called Jocko Willink. He's very famous in the discipline space and he's got a famous tagline that goes, discipline equals freedom. And I love that tagline, but for some, I think it's a little bit confusing because discipline feels to a lot of people constrictive, I think. And I've just talked about delaying gratification and hard work and doing the thing you don't want to do um, and, and, and pushing. And to a lot of people that, again, it feels very constrictive. I feel, well, that doesn't sound like much fun, but let's think about it a little differently for a minute. Discipline isn't deprivation. Discipline is freedom because it's the only way that you're going to become the person that you dream of being. That's it, the end. You're not gonna get there without discipline. And the freedom that is afforded to you by being that version of you, your healthiest, most radically vibrant self is, is dependent on your ability to be disciplined. So you could look at discipline through the lens of disempowerment and like, oh, it sounds so, so much fun to delay gratification. Or you could look at it as the highest form of self-love, the level of self-respect that you give yourself to be the kind of person that does what they say they will do. Like how can you be the kind of person that keeps promises to themselves that decide I'm going to do this and I'm going to prove myself right even when I don't want to do it. So that's really what Jocko means when he says discipline equals freedom. By becoming the disciplined person, you are going to have the freedom of becoming whoever it is that you want to be in the future because discipline gives you the ability to take action. So he said that motivation doesn't really precede action. It comes after the fact. And the action is going to give you more confidence and clarity than any amount of thinking will ever do. If you're just sitting there thinking about how you're going to get more motivated or trying to outsource your motivation to a podcast or to a motivational YouTube video or to a G-Up song, then you're potentially doing it wrong. Not that those things can supplement this process and, and be a little bit of a kick up the butt sometimes, but again, action is really what is important here it's much easier to act your way into change, to act your way into becoming a different person than it is to think your way into becoming a different person. Because action is proof. It's actually tangible, right? I can think about all these changes that I want to make, but if I don't actually take action, it's just kind of this imaginative game that I'm playing in my head. When I take action, I have proof. And the goal of becoming who you wanna be is building that undeniable stack of proof that I am that person. The only way I'm gonna do that is through action. And the the permission here is messy action. It doesn't need to be perfect. It needs to be messy because if it needs to be all well thought out and well, I don't have this right now, then my plan's not set, it doesn't matter. You will will die on the cross of perfectionism over and over and over again until you give yourself the permission to just take messy action messy action every single day is your way of putting pennies in the piggy bank of being the kind of person that you want to become which really is the disciplined version of yourself because discipline equals freedom so if 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 discipline equals freedom and it allows you to take action action is your greatest teacher because it's going to give you more clarity than any amount of thinking can ever do so this is your permission slip And your invitation almost to think about how you can be more disciplined in your life. Like I said, when you become disciplined and you start to take action, you will likely find that motivation will trail closely behind that. And that's wonderful. But if you've been sitting here, just kind of like, I don't know what's going on with me. I don't feel very motivated right now. Here's the invitation to say, that's okay, you're a human. A lot of us don't feel motivated a lot of the time, myself included, but because I've built this character trait of discipline, I know what I need to do to become this vision that I hold in my head of my best self, my most disciplined self. So my invitation for you is to ask yourself this week, what are you going to do to become a little bit more disciplined? What is the thing that you can commit to? What is the little challenge that you're going to set to yourself? What is the, the, the option that you have here to prove it to yourself that you are going to become the disciplined version that you need to be in order to actualize your radical health and become your radical self. Because I think if you can really work on that and you can start to become disciplined, everything that you want for yourself is on the other side of this transformation. Discipline is destiny, as per the famous Ryan Holiday book. Discipline is the key. It is really the thing that unlocks your potential. So forget motivation for a minute, know that it will come and it will go. It's lightning in a bottle. If you have it, use it let's now start to focus on becoming the disciplined person and really feel into that because I think that is gonna take you a lot further than motivation ever will. So that's my little intro piece and I hope you're feeling motivated and ready to get disciplined, but it's also now time to get into some callers on the show see what they're dealing with, hear about their lifestyle and give them some suggestions. So without further ado, let's pull up the call list here. And first on the line today, we have Tabitha, who's calling in from Kansas. Hello, Tabitha. Are you with us?
1: Hello. Good morning. Yes, I'm super excited to be here and nervous.
0: (laughs) Oh, don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. It's good to have you. Good morning to you. Let us hear a little bit about your question. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm interested in this one. So give us the details.
1: Okay. Well, um, first off, I'm 40 years old, and I have three autoimmune diseases. Plus one that hasn't technically been defined as that. Um, and that is the one that I'm most concerned about. It is aspirin exasperated respiratory disease, um, also known as Samter's triad. Mm. I've had two sinus surgeries uh, to get rid of nasal polyps, and I've been on prednisone more times than I can count. Mm. Um, currently on a inhaled steroid um because of asthma that comes with the Sampras triad, and I also take a biologic called Dupixent. So my, my question is, uh, have you guys heard of this, and is there hope for me? I hear a lot of good stories about people going into remission on with their autoimmune diseases, but because this one isn't classified, As an autoimmune condition, I worry that I'm not going to have success. I've been a carnivore for about five months. Mm -hmm. And then uh, about a month ago, I switched to an animal-based diet. Um, But I did notice that when I added too much fruit, I had a flare Mm -hmm. um, with my Sjogren's. And that's like arthritic um, problems and stuff like that. Anyways, sorry. Uh, So my question is, is there something I can do to help me get off of all the steroids and the biologic?
0: Yeah, thank you, Tabitha. Yes, there's always hope. We have to have that, right? If we don't have hope, we have nothing. And I love the direction that you're taking this. So I would really focus here in the early steps of our pyramid, steps one, steps two, and steps three. It's going to be a lot about let's explore this topic here of organs. I'm um, In particular, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to talk to you about potentially including histamine and immune for some DAO enzyme support through the kidney. Uh, I'm also very curious about a little bit more in-depth background on your diet and the elimination of processed food. Sounds like you've been on this journey for about five months and you know, it can be a long time to heal sometimes, but also curious about your habits and the mindset and the stress that comes with all of this. So, let's, let's kind of start at the beginning here. Step one of our radical health pyramid is to start eating nature's most bioavailable multivitamins, as we call them, uh, in the form of organs. Are you currently doing anything like that, being in the carnivore space and now the animal-based space? Have you included these in your diet? Have you noticed anything? What's going on in, in, in that area?
1: Yeah, actually, I already take histamine and immune. Okay. Um, I also take lifeblood, Um. My goodness. I take, I take like five or six of heart and soil supplements every day, though I half dose them because, um, I'm a small person. I'm five foot and I weigh 140 pounds. Uh, but I started those about a month ago. Cool. And yeah. So yes, I do include organs.
0: Okay. Excellent. The, The background before transitioning to carnivore and then into animal based, you said you're 40 years old. Um, was the diet before that pretty much like the standard Western diet? Lots of, you know, gluten-containing grains, lots of processed food and seed oils, all of that fun stuff. What uh, What's the background there and, and the story? And I'm guessing the motivation for cleaning this up is, is the autoimmune conditions you're dealing with. But I'm curious about what was going on in the diet and lifestyle before this transition.
1: Well, uh, probably about five years ago, I actually started the autoimmune protocol diet. Um, I did that for a really long time and I got a little bit of success from it, but not as much as I thought I would. Mm -hmm. And so, um, a year ago or a little over a year ago, I came across carnivore Mm -hmm. and I did that on and off, but in between I was on a very clean, sad diet, as in I still ate a lot of whole foods. I'm not a processed food person. I cook everything from scratch. Um, but I just was still consuming probably too much carbohydrates in the ways of pasta and homemade bread.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: so lots of gluten. Yes. Um, but then I finally transitioned to 100% carnivore eating only grass fed, grass finished, uh, beef and, uh, pork and pastored eggs. I can't do dairy. Even raw dairy bothers me. Mm. Um, And so I did that, but found out I have a histamine reaction to anything aged. I can't do bone broth. I can't do stews, those kinds of things. Um, And then I burn out uh, at some point and came across Paul Saladino. And so that is when I added the supplements and fruit back into my diet. Of course, only organic fruit. I won't say it's in season because I live in Kansas, Yeah. But yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I was definitely picking up on this histamine thing with, with your background and hearing about your issues with milk and aged foods and things like that. So again, I think that, um, the diamine oxidase, the DAO in, in kidney is very powerful here, but I'm also curious potentially about your environment too. Um, you know, you mentioned that there was probably a little more, um, you know, gluten-containing grains than is ideal in the diet because we would say they're not ideal at all. And a lot of these autoimmune conditions seem to rise up from the inflamed leaky gut, right? We know that gluten can permeate the gut. It can cause a hyperactive immune system. And with enough time that can exhaust the immune system to the point where the body is so confused that it's otherwise attacking healthy cells and causing these, these interesting issues. So I'm very glad that you've got that out of your diet. It doesn't mean that just because we've removed it for five months that everything is magically going to fix itself, but it's certainly, you know, a time a time um, approach here to really shoring up the gut, healing the gut, fixing those tight junctions and repopulating the microbiome. But the histamine stuff is interesting, even with the over overdoing the fruits, right? The ci- citrus fruits, if you overdo them, can have a histamine reaction too. So something clearly is going on here. And I'm, I'm kind of curious because it sounds like you're moving very much in the right direction. Um, I'm curious about a couple more things I want to dive into with you and first up is environment i'm wondering about potential environmental toxins here i'm thinking about your living environment potentially what you see um, creeping up in in a lot of people is lingering mold issues in the homes maybe that are causing these uh, autoimmune like conditions and histamine style reactions But also environmental toxins in the shape of what we put on our skin, what we shower with, all of that stuff. So have you given much thought to your environment and how clean that is and the elimination protocols that are assigned there? What's going on in that realm?
1: This is one area I'm super excited about. I am a crunchy person. Mm. So the last 20 years of my life, I have used clean everything. But I... We have always had mold problems, always, mm. like black mold in the showers. We're winters, so sometimes it's difficult to get away from that stuff. But we recently moved to a new place, and as far as I can tell, I haven't seen a lick of mold, Yeah. but we use medical-grade air purifiers Good. Um, in the bedroom and in the living room, and then we have, like, three more air purifiers throughout the house. Okay. Um, I for sure have SIRS. Yeah. I, I have no doubt that I also have thirst but yeah, so I don't wash myself at all. We use a purifier on our shower. Good. I don't use any type of soap on my body or my hair or my face, um, and I haven't for about a month actually, Yeah. and I'm super surprised at how clean my hair is and how I have no acne now,
2: mm, wonderful. and
1: Because even with a clean diet, I was still having acne issues. But once I stopped washing, it's completely gone. So, yes, I'm trying really hard to make steps in that direction to get rid of any um, toxins that could be playing a role.
0: Okay, good. I'm very glad to hear you got out of that mold environment That's when I started digging into this and hearing how much you're doing right. I was very curious about that because it's often those hidden things that we can't quite see that are things that can be tripping us up and mold seems to be a growing problem. Um, It can cause mast cell activation syndrome, um, which can manifest very similarly to these autoimmune conditions that you're feeling, especially issues related to histamine, the stuffy noses, et cetera. Now this one could be the case of you didn't, when did you say that move was? It wasn't that long ago, correct?
1: No, we we moved just over a month ago. Okay. Well, I made a lot of changes in a month. That's crazy. Yes,
0: that's exactly what I wanted to refer back to. I thought you said it was only a recent move. And, and now you're seeing as we kind of talk about this, that there's actually been a lot of movement in the right direction in a month. And I'm very hopeful that the combination with the animal-based diet, the inclusion of our organ supplements, and also just this moving to a healthier environment devoid of mold is going to be a, a, quite a pivotal moment on your healing journey. Now there's other things that you can look at. You know, we wanna keep the the lymph drainage and flow very healthy when we're potentially dealing with mold toxicity. We wanna make sure our elimination pathways are really strong. So we want to be having healthy, active, regular bowel movements. We want to be getting deep sweat on, like deep cellular sweating. So if you have access to a sauna or you can find a gym in your local area that you can go and just have a deep sweat a couple of times a week in the sauna, all of these things can really help. You can even look into binders. But I think, you know, the, the, the last little piece I want to investigate with you today is the potential mindset and stress piece to this, because you said when we started to talk, you know, is there any hope for somebody like me? And I think sometimes it can feel like a lot and it can feel like a dead end and that our thoughts become things in many ways. We start to really stress ourselves out. We start to ruminate on these things over and over again. So we're big here on healthy habits, too, and what we do to kind of regulate and, you know, play and decompress and manage stress and, uh, you know, work on our inner landscapes. What are you doing, if anything, in those areas to effectively keep stress in check, get outside, get fresher, get sunlight? Is there anything that you're doing there? And I I just want to open up that conversation with you as well.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I make sleep a a priority. I have uh, severe insomnia. Mm. So, um, I have to allow myself 10 hours at least in bed to get the eight hours of sleep.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's my primary focus. And then I use an app to see when the vitamin D levels outside are good. good and I go and lay out in the sun, <laughs> um, as be closed as possible. I'm a stay at home mom. Yeah. I meditate. I go to the Y, um, And I don't work out. I walk for two hours a day. And I spend about 15 minutes in the dry sauna every day, also. Um, And I'm a spiritual person and I love God. And so I feel like I am at least trying to be a positive person.
0: Absolutely. I want to just take a minute to celebrate your strength, Tabitha, because yeah it, it, it's a lot it's a lot to hold and it can feel um it can feel a little hopeless at times when you're doing all of the right things and I'm sitting here and just going check 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 yep Tabitha's done her homework and still seeing that the the healing is is maybe longer than we would like it to be but not losing sight of the fact that you know you are making strides you are moving forward and if you have that you know deep relationship and trust um that as long as you stay on this path healing is inevitable for you and you don't write yourself off. I, I do believe that. I believe that healing is inevitable for you. I think you're right in the right spot. And I think that a big piece of this is your new cleaner environment and getting out of the of the the moldy environment. These other practices that you're layering in now, being more mindful of your sun exposure, your sleep, your sauna, your detoxing, movement, keeping stress in check. You're checking the boxes. Um, I want to just make sure you know that it's you're not an island you know there's a lot of people that kind of got sick because our culture is kind of set up to make us sick unfortunately and it takes a lot of discipline on the topic of today's conversation to be the kind of person that can take the power back you know and to reclaim their radical health and i think you're doing everything that is available to you i would like to make sure we follow up and get you another bottle of histamine and immune i think that is the one that instead of titrating that dose go a full dose on that one to see how you respond to it with the increased thymus and kidney it's really supportive of this and keep doubling down on those practices because it sounds like you're doing everything right And hearing that, you know, you're just a month removed from that, you're seeing issues clear up on the skin is a big indication that things are moving in the right direction. So thank you for sharing that with us today, Tabitha. Thank you for, you know, continually being a truth seeker and a radical health seeker. We appreciate you calling into the show. Thank you very much. All right. Next on the phone today, we have Zach from Texas. He's a local. What's going on, Zach?
3: Yeah. um, So... I'm uh, dealing with this issue that I've had for maybe a couple of years now, and it's not like an everyday thing, but um, basically, I think I'm in need of some uh, increased mobility, possibly in my rib cage or my thoracic spine, mm. and I just wanted to kind of pick your brain about maybe some mobility techniques, but let me explain like, what happened. So, um, yeah, like occasionally, that usually happens kind of like after lifting weights, that's so kind of what I do almost every day I okay. um, just do some like weight training and you know every once in a while maybe every like two weeks or so like I'll just have a good workout but kind of like in the middle of the workout um, I'll just notice that maybe my rib cage kind of like locks up to where I can't take a deep breath
2: mm. and it's
3: it's either my rib cage or my thoracic spine and then that it's sort of like a reaction that lasts for like a day or a day and a half Yeah, and I've been trying like different different things like just you know twists and like um I wrote, uh, stretches in my rib cage yeah uh, combined with like breathing techniques and then i even bought this like product that you kind of lay on that is supposed to help increase uh you know mobility it's sort of like a, a so right but it's for your rib cage gotcha yeah um but anyway i just i just wondered if you had any uh thoughts on that um i'm i'm you know following an animal based diet i have been for a really long time and like i said i Work out frequently. I prioritize my sleep. And um, yeah, I
2: think
0: I'm on top of most things. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Zach. This this one seems to me more of a question about lifestyle potentially. I, I believe that life is practice and we are very adaptable. So the, the one area I want to uh, explore with you here before even what are we doing to lift weights and some solutions is what are you practicing? And what I mean by that is. What are you doing at work and how are you sitting? And are you spending long times in this, you know, more kyphotic, posture which is very common today think about you know humans are are basically constantly flexed and rounded we're constantly eating in this position social media ring in this position working on our computers uh driving everything is this very flexed rounded spine through the thoracic kind of head tilted forward you've probably heard it called text neck so is is, does that ring any bells are you spending a lot of time sitting a lot of time hunched over a computer how does that sit with you
3: yeah definitely so yeah I work in my computer pretty much all day, yeah, uh, you know five days a week. and um I have a standing desk both at my office cool. and at home, yeah, and I try to stand as much as I can, but I also understand it's not great to stand all day at your desk. so I'll sit down and um you know up until recently i've I've been sitting at like a stool that has like absolutely no back support, so I, I yeah. tend to lean onto my elbow, so it's really not the best doctor. okay.
2: Yeah. Um, I do,
3: I do have like an elevated monitor, like both at home and in the office. So it's like, I'm not looking down. Yes. Um, cause like, that's the other thing, like my, my, I will, you know, every once in a while kind of like, you know, quote unquote, throw at my back and it's like in the right in the center of my back. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that like, it, that happens a lot less frequently now that I have like an elevated monitor. Good. Um, but still I know my, my, um, posture is not the best And like bought a chair at home that has some back support, but it actually only goes to my mid back and I, I noticed myself like in the mirror like my uh I still kinda have to lean my head forward in order to kinda like be balanced in the chair I mean I'll even just do the same thing that I was doing before with the school where I'm leaning like onto my arms on yeah. the desk. Yeah. So yeah, I probably have to figure something out. Do you think like a like a gamer chair would be better or do I just need to like build windows,
0: stand all day what, what are your thoughts yes I I like where your head's going with this and I, I like that you recognize that just going from seated sitting to standing desk is an improvement but stillness is still stillness and I think we need to now move into more of a phase of proactively resolving this instead of reactively managing it sounds like right now you're doing so you're being proactive in a sense of thinking about these postural issues at work and moving in the right direction I think having as diverse of a movement language as you possibly can. So something I noticed and I've had some issues with thoracic spine mobility as pretty much everybody listening will probably experience at some point in their life because of these kind of modern lifestyle factors that we're thinking about is mixing up my movement repertoire whilst I'm working as much as possible. So spending a little bit of time seated with a back support, spending some time without the back support, standing up, sitting on a BOSU ball. So you're engaging your core, uh, going down onto the ground and sitting in a straddle or hip 90-90 position. And my favorite for um, the thoracic spine tightness that you're experiencing is actually going into a, a belly line down where you're kind of positioned on your elbows with uh, extension through the thoracic spine. And the reason I'm going in that direction now and I'm curious about what's happening in the gym and some potential solutions for you is these postural shifts and issues that we, you know, work on at at our workplace where we're spending a lot of our time are obviously very important, but we have to be very mindful of fixing uh, the inputs that are coming in and retraining and building that strength in the posterior chain because our culture is so anteriorly dominant. And I might just make some assumptions here, Zach, and hopefully you prove me wrong, but we guys, when we go to the gym, we like to work a lot of the mirror muscles, right? We do a lot of pressing. We do a lot of stuff in front of us. We want that nice broad chest and big shoulders and biceps. And sometimes our pulling mechanics get neglected. Um, There's a lot of famous strength coaches that say we should be pulling four times as much as we are pressing. And in my experience, most people are at best balanced between pushing and pulling, but usually they're more push dominant. And some of the things that I think are really important here pertaining to that, you know, lying down posture where you're reaching extension is training yourself into extension more to strengthen those back muscles and to become kind of the antithesis to the chronically flexed posture. So a little bit here on what are you doing in the gym? Do you think you might be guilty a little bit of overpressing or that might be a movement pattern that you've ingrained in the past Are you aware of it? And then we'll move into some tangible solutions for you to close it out.
3: Well, I don't know. I think years ago, like when I when I first started lifting like way back in high school, I, I definitely did a lot more pushing and really neglect pulling. But you know, in, in recent years I've been following programs that incorporate everything. Good. So I think I'm pretty balanced at this point. Um but but I think that's a really good thought. Yeah. Um so, yeah, I I think that's pretty balanced.
0: Cool, cool. So what I would be thinking of if this was me, I think those postural adjustments you're making in the workplace are all dialed in and I would be um I think it'd be foolish to say this one thing is going to fix this. I think you've got to keep doing what you're doing and switching it up and getting on the floor a little bit, sitting on the ball a little bit, switching up your chair and trying to move around as much as you possibly can. Think about taking movement snacks and, you know, kind of greasing the groove um, with that. But now I'd be looking at effectively Mm. training to um, make up for these overcompensatory patterns that you've probably developed. So here's some exercises I'm going to throw at you. And I think it'd be really cool to put these into your routine. So things that really train in the thoracic area is a lot of those small pulling muscles at the back. So things like face pulls and band pull-aparts. So if you go on YouTube, um, you could find great examples of this, but you can do face pulls on a cable machine. You can do band pull-aparts as long as you've got a resistance band. These are really good at kind of building the strength through the thoracic spine. And I would be spending a lot of time in the yoga style posture of the upward dog, you know, really trying to get into extension. Mm-hmm. And when you turn the upward dog and come down onto the elbows, it's kind of like a prone cobra. What you would do with that prone cobra yeah. is you, you spend it as a, almost like an archetypal rest posture where you can actually work and send emails from this position, but also use it as a strength training exercise too, where you're in that position where you're in kind of your up dog resting on your elbows and then you pull the elbows and the hands away and you are just you're going to feel so much firing in that thoracic spine area because they're the muscles that are really working hard now to keep your posture up and stretch you out and the one thing that i would really consider adding into your routine i think it's going to be very valuable as more of a um lifestyle practice that's very adaptive for opening everything up here because you mentioned a lot of rib tightness and breathing tightness and at the same time that stems from the thoracic mm-hmm. spine but something that's going to really open you up and stretch you out is hanging i think a hanging protocol which is just very passive you're not thinking about doing pull-ups or anything like that but jumping pull-ups on the bar every day and trying to accumulatively build time under tension and allowing gravity. And, the, 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 you know, the, the, the consequence of time under tension to take the adaptations there to lengthen the spine, to open the ribcage, to decompress the thoracic spine. Because evolutionarily speaking, we're brachiating creatures. We had a lot of time with our hands overhead and hanging. And now we spend a lot of time very flexed. So my suggestion with this is to Mm. hopefully at your gym, you have access to a pull-up bar, of course, but I would really consider spending the 20 bucks or whatever it is on Amazon to get a doorframe pull-up bar or figuring something around your house that you can hang from. Sometimes you can go under stairways or whatever and just hang and try to build up a a dose of about five to seven minutes per day over the course of the day. Now that might mean you are hanging for 20 second intervals X amount of times a day to work up to about five minutes. And what you'll see here is there's gonna be some nice uh, surprise free gains along the way because your grip strength are going to improve and and it's going to feel really good. And then maybe you can hang for a minute at a time and you can do that five times a day. I have a sneaky suspicion that this will really help with giving you the health, strength and alignment through the thoracic spine and opening the shoulder girdle, which is so connected to the thoracic spine. That's really going to open you up. So just a couple of suggestions on some exercises that I personally have thrown into my routine and have helped a lot with the T-spine stuff. Um, But also the hanging I think is very, uh, it's just a very powerful low-hanging fruit behavior that's going to translate very much so to free gains in the gym, as well as fixing this posture and hopefully getting you to a point where you don't need to throw your back out anymore and and have these surprises in your movement. So, how does that sound, Zach?
3: That's awesome. Thank you so much. That's, that's a really great idea. I've got a pull-up guard at home, and there you obviously at my gym, I've got access to all that. So that that's really great.
0: So, awesome, cool, Zach. Yeah, thank you for calling thank in, you man. The suggestion. Yes, you got it. Yeah, thank you. Follow up with our team and let us know how you're going, man. I hope we get that that back feeling nice and juicy. So thank you for calling in, uh, Zach and Tabitha. That's it for our callers today. And that's it for the show. We're wrapping up. Um, Just a quick little recap and summary. We started the show talking about discipline and motivation. Motivation is doing what you want to do when you want to do it. Discipline is doing what you know you need to do, even when you don't want to do it. And discipline is your destiny. Discipline is the key that unlocks all of this, all right? So that's the invitation, again, to close this out. Take a moment after this podcast finished to think about what am I going to do to become the disciplined version of myself, the disciplined version that I need to be in order to become my radically healthy self. Commit to something. Do it for a week, just do it for a few days, do it for a month, whatever it is, and know that you're setting yourself up for a future success by gathering that undeniable stack of proof that you are the person that you say you are through messy, messy action. So go be disciplined, friends. Watch how that transforms itself into motivation. Remember, we need you on the show, so feel free to hit all of our links, like and subscribe, all of that fun stuff. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you next time. Peace out. All right, friends, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Radical Health Radio. We got a fresh new podcast for you every Wednesday. If you enjoyed the show, consider liking, subscribing, reviewing, and rating us on your podcast platform. It helps to spread this message of radical health. We'll see you next week.